0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: It's time for Serralo Sports Talk with Joe Serralo. All right, let's get this party started. Seralo Sports Talk with me, Joe Sorallo, right here, right now, as part of the Believe Network on your national airwaves for the next hour. I can't wait for this episode. My man, Clay Harbour, is joining the show. Clay Harbour, of course, one of our hosts at Believe, does a tremendous job on the Believe in Jaguars pod, as well as all of the other great things he's done. Don't forget, if you're not that into football, you know and love Clay Harbour because he's been on The Bachelorette and... Bachelor in Paradise, Every Man's Dream. He'll be joining us about halfway through the show to talk all things Eagles-Jags. Of course, the two teams he spent the bulk of his NFL career with are facing off this Sunday, something that happens only once every four years. We're also going to talk last night's season premiere of Bachelor in Paradise. You didn't think I was going to have Clay Harbour on the show and not talk about Bachelor in Paradise, did you? If there's three givens in life, it is death, taxes, and me talking about The Bachelor with Clay Harbour and Mike Golick Jr. any chance I get. Can't wait for that conversation. We've got so much great stuff to get to. We've got to start, though, with two beasts in the AFC East. The Miami Dolphins, the Buffalo Bills, right now, after consecutive wins over the Baltimore Ravens and Buffalo Bills to improve to 3-0 on the young season, one of only two 3-0 teams in football, Miami, and, of course, the other being the Philadelphia Eagles, People are out there saying that Tua Tagovailoa is the early MVP of the National Football League and that the Miami Dolphins are the best team in the NFL. And damn it, if you're saying that, you better slow your roll right now. The Miami Dolphins are a great football team. Mike McDaniel is proving to be one heck of an NFL head coach so far three games into his early career as a head coach. Miami is not the best team in football. To consider Miami on the same level as the Buffalo Bills, even after beating the Buffalo Bills in a 100-degree game, mind you, is just not something anyone who watches the National Football League can do. In fact, I'll sit here right now and tell you that the Miami Dolphins win over Buffalo reminded me a lot of the New England Patriots win over Buffalo a year ago. Did anyone walk away from that game? thinking that the Patriots were actually a better football team than the Buffalo Bills? I sure as hell didn't. If you did, shame on you, because that game was played in absurd conditions, wind so severe, cold so frigid, that Mac Jones only threw three pass attempts on the evening, right? That game was not truly indicative of where those two teams were at. Now, now I will say this in with regards to Miami, that... While it was hot as hell, you know, it was 90 degrees, felt like 100 with the humidity. So, while it was hot as hell, that's not something that's as unique or as once in a lifetime as the conditions were in Buffalo for that Monday night game. You go to Miami, it's going to be hot. I mean, that's just typically September football in Miami, September football in Jacksonville, September football in Tampa Bay. It sucks. It's hot. It's ridiculous. They should all play in domes. I don't know why they don't. But those conditions, especially when you look at, you know, the two teams' sidelines, of course Miami's sideline is in the shade, they got the misters working, Buffalo's sideline, wide open in the sun, you know, it's, it's gamesmanship on, uh, on the part of the Miami Dolphins organization. When you look at that, you can't tell me that if these two teams met healthy and on a neutral field, that Miami has a chance, a chance in hell against the Buffalo Bills. In fact, forget the neutral field. You can't tell me that if Buffalo had its starting secondary out there on the field, that Miami wins that game. I mean, the Buffalo Bills did not have one starter in their secondary on the field for that game. Trey White, we all, we all know he's in the IR. He's out. He hasn't played yet this season. Micah Hyde joined him on the IR. Tremendous safety for Buffalo. Joined him last week. Jordan Poyer is week to week, hopeful to return this week. Buffalo's got another really tall task at Baltimore. Poyer missed that game. And we know at cornerback after Trey White, the Bills have some rookies running out there. Not really a stable situation once you get past their CB1. That secondary was in shambles. And Buffalo still lost the game by, what, two points? You can't tell me that you think the Miami Dolphins are actually a better football team than the Buffalo Bills. I mean, Tua, you know, fragile Viloa, right? We all saw the play where he, you know, got, or it seemed he was concussed, and then he came back in the game, and that was a weird situation. Now he's questionable for tomorrow's Thursday night game at Cincinnati. It's like if he was able to come back, you know, after halftime, why is he all of a sudden now questionable for a game four days later? A lot of weird things going on with Tua and his injury report, but I call him fragile Viloa because we all saw the play, right? Matt Milano pushed him. And the funniest thing about that was I got Dolphins fans, you know, a cousin of mine who's a huge diehard Miami fan is texting me in a family group chat and he's going, this is ridiculous. Milano should be suspended. I can't believe that. He pushed him. He pushed him and Tua went down like a ton of bricks. It wasn't a late spear. It wasn't head to head. He pushed him late, mind you, but he pushed him and Tua went down. It was the way he hit his head on the ground that caused whatever injury it was that he got up and then he collapsed. I don't know what the deal is there. I do know it's weird that he was able to, he was cleared medically to come back in and finish that game, but now all of a sudden his status is up in the air for Thursday night football, and the Dolphins are suddenly four-point underdogs. The 3-0 and o Dolphins, the Miami Dolphins, who everyone's saying are the best team in football, are suddenly four-point underdogs Thursday night football at the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't know what's going on with that situation, but I do know the best team in football would not be an underdog, a four-point underdog, mind you, against a team that's 1-2, against a team that's lost to the Cooper Rush-led Dallas Cowboys and the Mitch Trubisky-led Pittsburgh Steelers, both of whom, the Steelers have their only win against the Bengals. Cowboys got their first win against the Bengals. And the Bengals are four-point favorites against the best team in football? I know that they're the reigning AFC champs, but Joe Burrow's been sacked a league-high 15 times this year. I don't know about the Bengals, Being favorites in this one, if Miami truly is the best team in football. Look, make no mistake about it. The Buffalo Bills are the best team in football, right? No confusion there. I talked about the injuries they had on defense in this game against Miami. How about the guys on offense, right? I mean, Stephon Diggs was banged up, Gabe Davis was banged up, their offensive line has taken a hit. Buffalo is you know, it's early in the year to be this banged up, but they're one of the more injured teams in football right now. And they're still blowing opponents out of the water. See the Rams game, see the Titans game. And against Miami, who, you know, led that, Tua led that historic fourth quarter, ridiculous comeback the week before against Baltimore. People are saying they're the best team in football. The Bills lost by two, and they had a missed field goal in the mix too. I mean, we haven't even talked about that. A missed field goal, that if that goes through, The Bills leave Miami victorious. They don't cover, but they leave victorious. I mean, to consider Miami up there with the Buffalo Bills is just something I cannot do and something that even if the Dolphins are undefeated up until the point of their next meeting, something I won't be able to do until they go to Buffalo and beat the Buffalo Bills. Don't forget, Josh Allen had won seven straight games against the Dolphins, right? These teams are not the same. The Dolphins are still on that second tier. Give them all the credit in the world, there is still a top tier in the National Football League that's got Buffalo, that's got Kansas City, I'll put in that top tier. I'll put Tampa Bay in that top tier. Rams, Packers, borderline, Ravens, borderline. But they're more with that Miami. Miami's, you know, I still, I still can't put Miami ahead of Baltimore. Yes, they played an amazing 15 minutes, but for 45 minutes, and look, I know the game is 60 minutes, but for 45 minutes... The Ravens were beating Miami 35 to 14. I cannot say Miami's a better football team than the Baltimore Ravens. You know what else I cannot do? I cannot wait for the Bills Ravens game this Sunday. I mean, any other week, this should be Sunday night football, but hey, you've got the Chiefs and the Bucks. You've got Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady, part six. First off, that is phenomenal that this is already the sixth time in Mahomes' young career that these two have met the goat and the baby goat. I mean, I can't wait for this matchup. Who knows where it'll be played? Apparently the NFL has got a backup plan. That game might be played in Minneapolis because of the hurricane right now down in Florida. And I do want to say, you know, thoughts and prayers go out to everyone in Florida right now. I hope that everyone is staying safe. Everyone who was told to evacuate has evacuated and that everyone's all right down there because there are some scary videos circulating, some scary scenes down there in the state of Florida right now with the hurricane. But... We'll have more on the Chiefs-Bucks game to come. Miami, I will say this, Tua or Teddy, no matter who's playing quarterback, love them plus four tomorrow at Cincinnati. That's a lot of points to be getting for a 3-0 team. And stay tuned because Clay Harbor is up next right here on Sorallo Sports Talk. We're back here on Sorallo Sports Talk, and joining the show up next, he's a former NFL tight end, but if you don't know him from his NFL playing days, you do know him because he starred on season 14 of The Bachelorette and season 6 of Bachelor in Paradise, Clay Harbour. Clay, thanks so
0: much for joining the show. I uh, Appreciate you having me on. You know, I love talking football, and I love talking Bachelor, two of my favorite things. <laughs> well, look, we're going to do it all in the next 12 or 13 minutes
1: or so, so I can't wait to dive into it with you, but... You know, something's happening this Sunday that happens once every four years, and it's the two teams that you had the most notable years of your NFL career with, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Jacksonville Jaguars, facing off. Both of these teams have exceeded expectations more than maybe any other teams in the NFL so far in the young season. What are you most excited for about this matchup?
0: I'm just excited. These teams are both good. And and a lot of times that doesn't happen. They're both in first place. They're both good teams. They both have good young quarterbacks. They both have solid receivers and good defenses. It's it's going to be a great matchup. Not only is it my two teams, but these teams are playing for something. They're playing to make the playoffs. They're playing for a deep playoff run. And then you got the Doug Peterson. Uh, coming back to Philadelphia story so this is going to be a really fun game and I'm going back to Philly to watch this one live in person oh that's got to be exciting as hell man I bet you can't
1: wait for that so you know while we're talking about these teams and the success they're having I want to know you know obviously you might have a little bias in you but as objectively as you can answer this how legitimate
0: of an AFC South contender are the Jaguars I think they're I think they're my favorite they're uh The Colts came on strong last week and obviously had a big win against the Bills. You got Tennessee, who's always a threat. Houston doesn't seem to be a factor after a a loss to the Bears. And, I mean, I'm a Bears fan, but when you lose the Bears, you got problems. So, I think the Jags are my favorite with the way Trevor Lawrence is playing. He's getting the ball out quick. He's accurate. He's got weapons. James Robinson had 42 yards after contact last week. This guy's running hard. With a run game and a pass game like that, it's hard to go against the Jags. You know, you brought up James Robinson, and I absolutely
1: love him. He was the last pick of mine his rookie year in both of my fantasy football leagues, and he just made me his biggest fan in the world that season. He's an FCS guy. You're an FCS guy. Can you explain to people that that haven't maybe seen a lot of James Robinson because the Jaguars aren't on primetime a lot, can you explain just how good this
0: guy is? Oh, he's incredible. The guy is just a tough runner. Like I said, he had 42 yards after contact last last week a lot of guys don't have that in the entire game so this guy will run through the first tackle he's a hard runner he's a strong runner he's quick and he's fast but he's powerful he's small compact guy and he's powerful and he compares uh he he goes well with Tra- with travis etn because Etienne is so fast so shifty so quick you've got the thunder and james robinson you got the lightning and etn they're a great duo
1: I love it, man. I grew up rooting for those Giants teams with Brandon Jacobs and Ahmad Bradshaw. So, you know, anytime you get that thunder and lightning, that smash and dash back there in the backfield, it's a, it's a great combo. Flipping to the Eagles, what do you see in Jalen Hurts? I mean, this guy's game over the past three years has grown so much. To you, what's the biggest
0: improvement that you've seen? Man, even going back to train, training camp when I was there hanging out and, and watching the Eagles, it, it was clear to me that this guy was getting the ball out quickly. He's not holding on to the ball like he was last year. I got to go back and check the next-gen stats, but he is getting rid of the ball fast. He is anticipating much better than he had in the past. He's no, he knows when his receiver is going to be coming in and out of the breaks, and he's not waiting. It's something you see a guy like Justin Fields doing. He's waiting to see the ball, waiting to see the receiver come open, besides throwing it and knowing and trusting that he will come open. You got to have anticipation if you're a quarterback, and that's the number one thing that I've seen from Jalen Hurts is his anticipation. Absolutely. I mean, he's having a phenomenal year. You know, you mentioned Fields, you mentioned the Bears a couple minutes ago.
1: Let, let's talk about your Bears because Justin Fields, and I, I'm going to stand by what I said a couple of years ago, going into that draft, I said if I had the first pick, I would want Justin Fields as my quarterback. I know it was a hot take, but I loved everything I saw out of him in college. Hasn't worked out in the NFL so far. So how much of that, in your opinion, is on Fields and how much of that is on the Bears organization and the
0: situation he was drafted into. I'm going to say 60% is on field because, I mean, he's, the team isn't great around him, but I mean, he's not really showing much this season. Last season, you saw some, some good things, but you think about it. People, Oh, it's his roster. Last year, Andy Dalton and Nick Foles, when they were playing were four and two, Justin Fields when he was playing was two and eight. So You think about that, like this guy, this guy, they they both have the same rosters. These guys are winning games. This guy can't. The roster isn't great, but it's not that bad. Fields has to improve. He's got to get quicker throwing the ball. And when you watch the tape, you see a lot of times those guys open. He's just missing them. He's not anticipating throws. He's late and he's inaccurate. Both interceptions last week, the players were open. There was, there was protection. So who are you going to blame? You know, you can't blame anybody but Fields. And I will give that 40% to the organization. He has no big time receivers. He has a good run game. Offense is a good run game, but the offensive line could be better. Defense could be a little better to get him in better situations, but it's not terrible. And obviously they're a two and one team chance to go three and one against the, the, the Giants, who aren't much better than they are, in my opinion. So I say 60% on field, 40% on the Bears. Yeah, you, you mentioned the chance to go three and one there against my
1: Giants. And you know, I'll be the first to admit it. These might be the two ugliest two-in-one teams in the NFL so far this season. So what are you looking for in this matchup? Will Justin Fields complete 10
0: passes in a game for the first time this year? Who comes out victorious? Well, Cooper Rush had a 98 uh, quarterback rating against the Giants. So that gives me some hope. Cooper Rush, he's a backup. So Fields hopefully can complete a couple passes, but comes down to run game. The, the 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 Giants have the 25th ranked run game, run defense in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. There are some holes there. They'll be able to run the football. So Khalil Herbert, run the football down the hill, downhill. And then maybe you pick some plays where Justin Fields only has to read half the field because obviously he can't read the whole field right now. And then hopefully he can complete some passes. But I'm not, you know, I'm not confident in that, to be honest.
1: Well, one of those teams should move to 3-1, and one, not that either deserves to. Clay, before we wrap it up, because I know, you know, you're a really busy man, and you've got a radio show starting momentarily that I want to plug quickly. Uh, But before we wrap it up, I want to shift over to last night's season debut of Bachelor in Paradise. Although I did mention that radio show. So before we dive into Bachelor in Paradise, why don't you tell everyone what you've got going on? I believe that starts in about six or seven minutes.
0: Yeah, so um, I I do radio for uh, for ESPN 1000. ESPN 9... 680. I'm sorry, 690. 690 in Jacksonville. A lot of numbers going on there. <laughs> Final answer ESPN 690 in Jacksonville. I work uh, one day a week. I talk Jacksonville Jaguars football with, with, with them and Duval, and I'm also uh, doing some color commentary for uh, CBS Sports post game show. But tune into Jacksonville if you want to hear about the Jags. ESPN 690. Final answer, Alex. And don't forget, by the way, Clay, also,
1: for all of you out there watching, all of you out there listening, is our fantastic co-host of the Believe in Jaguars pod right here on the Believe Network. So make sure to give him some love there and check that out. All right, man, I know we've got a couple minutes left. Bachelor in Paradise, episode one of this summer's season debuted last night. What was your biggest reaction to to the drama, to the new faces? For me personally, as much as I love this, this franchise, this TV show, I missed Clayton's season, and I feel like I don't know any of the women there.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of day one women there, and there's some women that we you, you don't really know as far as far as Bachelor Nation's concerned. So, you know, you gotta you gotta find those faces. But for me, I think that Katie's men, Katie Thurston's men, did a phenomenal job. You had Michael A. Guy Crush at the dad. All the women loved him. Andrew S. My cousin, my first cousin. Wait, what? Cousin. Yes, Andrew S. <laughs> is my first, bi- first cousin, biological cousin. He did well. He went on a date with uh, with Teddy. They had a great time. You know, I think he he's a great guy. and Hopefully they uh, they end up together. And then we had um, Justin Glaze, a a buddy of mine. You know, he's he's forming a connection with uh, Genevieve. So those are my three guys, the three guys I'm going to be watching. I wish nothing but the best for Michael A., Justin Glaze, my cousin, Andrew S. in the Bachelor in Paradise. We'll see what happens with them. Yeah, they're they're all amazing. I mean, God, Michael had
1: me choking up on the couch talking about his story, losing his wife, of course, being a single dad. He seems like a great guy. A great guy. Uh, I do want to ask you, because you were on both The Bachelorette and Bachelor in Paradise. Now, before you got injured on The Bachelorette and had to leave, it seemed like it
0: was a great experience. How do you compare the two, and which was your favorite experience? I think Paradise was a little more fun. You're on the beach. You're sipping margaritas. The food's a little bit better. Uh, that's right. You're kind of stuck inside the houses all day. You don't get to do anything unless you're going, when when you see the guys with the woman, that's the only time you get to go out of the hotel room. It's like, you get to go and explore these places. You're literally stuck waiting to see her and you don't get to see her off camera. There's not any time where you get to form this connection off camera. No, it's all on camera.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I believe it. You know, I I did a a pilot for a reality show a year ago and uh, the amount of time in the holding room is uh it's it's ridiculous oh it is it is (laughs) well clay look man i know you got a espn 690 to run to so i really appreciate your time thanks so much for joining the show and uh hopefully we can do this again soon with the jags winning a lot of games and bachelor in paradise you know in full steam absolutely sounds good appreciate you having me on thanks so much we'll be back with more right here on sorallo sports talk All right, back here on Serralo Sports Talk. What incredible stuff right there from Clay Harbor. I mean, that guy is not only a great football analyst, but love talking Bachelor in Paradise with him. I cannot believe that he is Andrew's first cousin. That blew my mind. I had no idea. I mean, at the same time, I don't know how I can consider myself a part of Bachelor Nation not knowing that, but that was mind-blowing. I mean, Andrew, he stole the show. Episode one, he had a tremendous date with Teddy. To hit it off. I mean, yes, he seemed nervous. Yes, he was mumbling and stumbling. But you know what? Obviously, it worked. Obviously, Teddy found it cute. She was into it. They jumped in a margarita hot tub, drinking margaritas afterwards. I, I can't think of a better first date than that. Drinking margaritas in a hot tub that looks like a margarita. Sign me up eight days a week. Love Clay. Great job having him on the show there. We've got week four. To look ahead to in the NFL. I mean, this season is zooming. This month is zooming. It's going to be October in like 27 minutes. September, almost at a close. Fooled me. I mean, one thing I was not fully prepared for when I moved out to Los Angeles. I I learned it shortly after getting here. But I didn't realize that summer here, you know, it's, it's July, August, like most places. Here it is August, September. September is... One of the hottest, I I mean, I think the the whole crazy heat wave we had out here was early September. September's probably been the hottest month of the year out here in, in SoCal. June, July, July a little more so than June, but June was like not that hot. I mean, it was, June was, you know, you go out at night, you better have a hoodie on. August and September, it has been scorching. So for me, it doesn't really feel like October's right around the corner, uh, hell, it doesn't even feel like football season yet, but here we are. It's already week four. And again, I said it earlier, I'll repeat myself. The Buffalo Bills are the best team in football. Sorry. I'm not a Miami hater either. I mean, I know, I know I sound like it. I actually really do like the Miami Dolphins. I'm not the biggest Tua fan, but I love McDaniel. I love Miami's defense. I think, you know, Christian Wilkins on that line is an absolute stud. I think their secondary is great. I love Xavier Howard. Nick Needham, I think is one of the Better Nickelback D-backs in the game. You know, I really, really like this Miami team. I just, I can't put them in the same tier as Buffalo. Like I said, I don't think that they're as good as Baltimore. And this week, we've got the Buffalo Bills. We've got the Baltimore Ravens. We've got Action Jackson versus Josh Allen. I can't wait. Lamar Jackson has never lost to the Buffalo Bills. Now, he hasn't played them in, what, three years? In the regular season. That is, of course, we all know Buffalo took care of Baltimore in the postseason uh, a couple winters ago, but regular season, Lamar 2-0 against Buffalo, Allen 0-1 against Baltimore that one game back in 2019, postseason, flip the script, different story, you know the drill, but I think this game is going to be an absolute blast. I can't wait to see these two teams go at it, and I think it's going to be close. For the first half, I think Baltimore is going to come out roaring. Got their confidence back. Big win at New England. Pats Pats held their own for about the first half. Uh, But at the end of the day, I mean, look, you know, was there ever any doubt? Even when the Pats were in the game, are, are you and I sitting here going, oh, yeah, Mac Jones in New England, they can play with Baltimore. Give me a break, right? I'm worried that Baltimore is not going to be able to go a full four quarters with Buffalo. And the only thing I think that could be Baltimore's saving grace in this matchup, and it's wild, we're talking about a phenomenal uh, not Orioles team, excuse me, I'm in baseball mode, talking about a phenomenal Ravens team that might be 2-2 two and two after four weeks, but the only thing I think that can keep them in this game for a full 60 minutes is if Buffalo's secondary remains battered. You know, if a guy like Jordan Poyer doesn't come back, if their cornerbacks behind Trey White aren't, you know, in there, That, I think, could hurt Buffalo. But Baltimore's secondary has been equally battered, and Baltimore's offensive line is bruised up. You know, Ronnie Staley is is a week-to-week case, according to Ravens head coach John Harbaugh. And we saw the Patriots, at times, in certain instances, put a lot of pressure on Lamar last week. Because one thing the Patriots will always do, no matter who their quarterback is, how bad their weapons are on offense, the New England Patriots will always, especially at home, Always play defense, and and they did. The defense showed up. The defense looked good at times, and then at times, Lamar torched them like he's going to do to any defense in football, but when you look at the defenses in this one, the Buffalo Bills are the best defense in football. They were number one last year so far through three weeks of the top-rated defense this year. Baltimore, a little bit different. The Baltimore Ravens come into this one through three weeks with the 31st-ranked Defense. Second from last. Now look, it's it's week four, right? How much do we want to put into statistics and you know where the team ranks? How much of Baltimore's 31st ranked defense is actually that they have a bad defense? How much of it is to a torched them in the second half in that Miami Baltimore game, right? I mean, they're averaging, allowing four hundred and fourteen yards per contest. Miami had almost six hundred in that one game. So I'm, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, even though I think that you know, losing Wink Martindale as defensive coordinator, I think that hurt Baltimore a good amount. I'm still not going to sit here and say that they're the second worst defensive unit in football, but they're certainly not as good as they were two years ago. Last year, exclude that. You know, They were so banged up. They're playing practice squatters in their secondary, kind of like Buffalo's secondary right now. Uh, but Baltimore's secondary, once again, just like last year, doesn't seem to be at full health. Just like last year, seems to be some issues back there. And last year when the secondary went to, the whole defense and the whole team went to, so we'll see what happens this year. Uh, I'm definitely also loving Buffalo coming off a loss in this game. I mean, I just don't think the Buffalo Bills are going to drop two in a row at any point this season. I don't think the Buffalo Bills are going to have a bad loss this season. You know, last year we saw the Bills had a couple bad losses. Obviously that Monday night game I mentioned earlier against New England, not a bad loss, a weird loss. You would think Buffalo would have the advantage there, but they were a pass heavy team. New England was not a pass heavy team by any means. And those conditions favored a run heavy team. Uh, The loss to Jacksonville, real bad, real bad. I don't think something like that is going to happen where Buffalo, you know, takes on a team like the Jaguars, and, you know, fails to put up a touchdown, right? Now, I'm talking the Jaguars of last year, because by the way, whoa, Jacksonville Jaguars, two and one, first place, AFC South. How you doing? What's going on there? Doug Peterson, T-Law, Trevor Lawrence about to win the division? We'll see. We'll see. I still don't think they will, but we'll see. I don't think Buffalo is going to have a loss like that on their schedule. I don't think they're going to have back-to-back losses. I think Buffalo, as a -a two-and-a-half point favorite, might be a hell of a bet. I think it's a hell of a bet. You know Buffalo's defense. You look at that last game, that playoff game where they uh, they beat the Ravens and Lamar uh, a couple winters ago, a couple Januarys ago. Buffalo's defense was the reason they won that game, right? I think the offense put up one touchdown. They had a pick six, Taron Johnson off Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. But that game was what seventeen to three, if I'm not mistaken. Buffalo's defense was sensational. Not much has changed outside of injuries, obviously but I don't love this Ravens receiving core a whole lot. Yes, Duvernay's overperforming. Yes, Bateman has potential, but I don't love this Ravens receiving core. Mark Andrews, certified dog, but if Jordan Poyer plays, that almost neutralizes Andrews. So I think that the Buffalo Bills minus two and a half, you know, I know favorites, especially road favorites, have been awful bets this season, but I do love the Buffalo Bills minus two and a half. And if they can't win and they can't cover that number this week, then just never take gambling advice from me ever again. I'm telling you, that's my play of the week. The Bills minus two and a half. But there is another tightly contested game. There is another Super Bowl or postseason rematch coming at you, and it's Sunday night football. It's the Chiefs, it's the Bucks. Will it be played in Tampa? We don't know. It's either Tampa or Minneapolis right now with Hurricane Ian decimating the state of Florida. And I can't wait to see Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady go at it for a sixth and potentially final time. These guys, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is still a baby, right? He, he's still a kid. And these guys have already had five instant classics. An AFC championship game that if Chris Jones doesn't go off sides, the Chiefs go to their first Super Bowl. Tom Brady in the Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes just torching this Kansas City defense. The Tampa Bay front seven annihilating Kansas City's bruised, beaten up, and battered offensive line. I just—there's fireworks every time these two teams get together. I mean, there was a game, I think, two years ago where I had the Chiefs minus three, and they went up God, got it—21-0, 21-3, and they win 27-24 in Tampa Bay. I mean, you know, Brady's never out of it. Mahomes is never out of it. These two teams are just sensational— both coming off losses that should have been wins. I mean, you had the, the Kansas City Chiefs against the Colts. Matt Ryan somehow orchestrated that game-winning eight-plus-minute drive. And then our man at Believe, my man Rodney McLeod, with the game sealing INT, congrats to Rodney and the Colts on the win. But let's be real. Let's keep it a buck, folks. That drive was only enabled because of a BS penalty. Uh, On Chris Jones again, as a matter of fact. We talk about Chris Jones' penalties. He sacked Matt Ryan on, like, Indy's own 30, giving the Colts 4th and 14, and the refs call a complete, utter, BS, unsportsmanlike conduct. A 15-yard penalty. An automatic first down. A prolonged drive. A breath of air. A second life for the Indianapolis Colts that they didn't deserve. It was 4th and 14. The guy celebrated a sack that made it 4th and 14. Sorry, ref. Sorry there's emotion in this game. You got guys banging bodies out there for 60 minutes every week, going to war like it's Sparta, and you want them to show no emotion? Give me a break. That call was atrocious. And the Kansas City Chiefs should have won that game. The Kansas City Chiefs should be 3-0. and Then you have Tom Brady at home against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Aaron Rodgers, who going into that game was one and four in his career at Tampa, three and six in his career in games played in the state of Florida. What happened in that one? Tom Brady had no one to throw to. Still only lost by two points. I mean, come on. Mike Evans suspended. Chris Godwin injured. Julio Jones injured. Russell Gage, your wide receiver one and not even at full health. Going up against Jar Alexander. Come on. Donovan Smith has left tackle, injured. I mean, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, bruised, battered, beaten, you name it, they had it, and they still should have won that game. Rashad Perryman doesn't fumble at the end of the first half, deep in Green Bay territory, at least guaranteeing three points. Ryan Suck up on the field, how you doing? I mean, Tampa Bay's 3-0 and right now. So you've got the Chiefs, you've got the bucks two teams that should be 3-0, two teams that are 2-1, and two teams coming off a loss. And let's look at what these teams have done after a loss since 2020, since Tom Brady became the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa is seven and two after a loss in the Tom Brady era. Patty Mahomes and the Chiefs, six and one straight up after a loss in the Tom Brady era. Well, that's what I'm using here. Since 2020, that is. So each of these teams since the 2020 season have won at least 78% Of their games in the week following a loss. So you're telling me coming into this matchup, each team essentially has an 80% chance to win. Well, one of them is not going to win. So this game, that's why it's Sunday Night Football, folks. That's why it's the game to watch. This game is going to come down to can Tampa Bay's front seven, which is by far the best front seven in football. I mean, come on, Tampa Bay had nothing last week. Hailed Aaron Rodgers and the Packers to 14 points. Should have won that game. Their front seven have been absolute dogs. You saw what they did against Dallas. Opening week, Cowboys were the only team to not score a touchdown in the NFL. Tampa Bay's defense, so legit. Kansas City's offense, so legit. Kansas City's defense under Steve Spagnola, my guy. The Chiefs are playing better early season defense, I think, than we've seen out of them in three, four years. Usually this team's defense stinks the first half of the year and then hits its rhythm. They've hit it out of the gate this year. Defense has been great. I can't wait. I don't even have a pick for this game. I'm just going to sit back, eat my popcorn, and enjoy. We'll be back with my final word. You're locked into Sorallo Sports Talk with me, Joe Serrallo. All right, it's time for my final word here on this week's episode of Sorallo Sports Talk. And I've got to work a little baseball in here. All right? I mean, look, you all know it's my favorite sport, but there is a week left. To the regular season exactly a week as of today and not only do my new york mets have the third best record in baseball while they're tied for the third best record in baseball they're also tied for first place in the national league east i mean this race between the mets and the braves is everything baseball fans can ask for can hope for going into the final week of the season unless that is your fan of the mets or the braves in which case this is going to be the most stressful week of your life so buckle up new format if you get The division, you get the bye week, or the bye series, I suppose. Uh, If you lose the division, how you doing? You get Juan Soto and the San Diego Padres for a three-game set at home, whether that's in New York or in Atlanta. It is going to be a wild stretch, and oh, to make things even better. These two teams face each other this weekend. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, currently scheduled. Mets are running their three aces out there. Bassett, DeGrom, and Scherzer. Mets have the tiebreaker. Currently, they've won 9 out of 16. So if the Mets and Braves should end up tied, even if the Mets lose 2 out of 3 to Atlanta head-to-head but still finish tied, Mets would get the 2 seed. Atlanta really needs to win that series. Um, Really could use a sweep, but I don't know. The way things are shaping up, it's going to be a wild ride. There is a problem I have, though, with that series and with the Braves. I've mentioned twice now Hurricane Ian going on right now in Florida – just decimating the state. Hurricane Ian's working its way up to Atlanta, just in time for the weekend. And the Mets have actually offered to push today's game that is starting right now, or just started against the Miami Marlins, up to a four o'clock start. This was the offer. And then fly down to Atlanta and get at least game one of that series in tomorrow, on Thursday, which is a, a mutual off day for those teams. The Braves declined. The Braves, knowing that they might only get one of those three scheduled games in, declined to play Thursday, in which case you could play Thursday, you could move Friday maybe up to a day game, and then you have Saturday, Sunday, you know, to figure out when that final game gets played. Or maybe, you know, if there's a tiebreaker situation, play that final game after the regular season ends on Thursday the 6th. The Braves have declined all of this with a hurricane coming into town. And I got to say... It's going to make it that much sweeter when my Mets win the division because I hate the classless Atlanta Braves. And just like that, this episode of Serralo Sports Talk is up. It's over. It's out of here like a Pete Alonso home run. Thank you all for listening. Thanks, Clay Harbour, for joining the show. Got a week break next week. I'm going to be on set filming a TV show. I'll see you all in two weeks.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe.